Hi everyone, welcome back for one of our weekly live. I'm Julia DeMauro, the host of the IBD Hub podcast. And today we're going to talk about how to sell new developments in a new uh, digital era. Um, I have two guests with me. Um, I have Jordan March and Katie Thumber from uh, the team MacPeak of Serhant. Um, and will be joining us very soon. Uh, I just would like to remind you that uh, we are live every week on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, like today. And every week uh, we are welcoming um, a specialist from the architecture and real estate field. Um, and uh, today there will be an announcement at the end of uh, this episode. So stay until the end uh, to, to get uh, to know the news. Um, and you can always find us on the ibdhub.com to find out more about our uh, services. So I would like to um, introduce to you to uh, Jordan Marge and Katie Thumber. Hi, guys. Good Hi, morning. Hi, Julia. Good morning. Here. You are tuning in from New York. It's 10.30 a.m. there. Coming to you yeah. live. Yeah, that's great. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, your team and um, what you have been up to this uh, th this few months with Corona as well, because I think your job has changed consi considerably as well. Yeah, it's, it's been an exciting, exciting new start to the new year, I think, um, while you know, we went through 2020 has been a a year of a lot of turns and unexpected events. Um, I still feel like a lot of optimism um, going into the new year and everyone wanting to sort of shake off and forget what happened and sort of move into a new place. Um, and for us, it's been very much that, you know, and we just started with Sturhan over the last few months and their team has been absolutely incredible in getting um, transitioned really into the new year as well. Um, they've been a yeah. big catalyst for just this new energy that we're, um, experiencing and and having some really awesome conversations. So, so uh, Serhant is, I guess, a little bit of a startup for now, right? Uh, if I understand correctly. Um, so, how do you promote uh, properties uh, with a lean budget? Let's say. So I would, I'm going to take that question. I would <laughs> say that we're the masters of working with limited budgets. Um, especially right now in the new development space, we're seeing a lot of developers switch teams and marketing strategies after mm -hmm. spending a huge amount of their capital already after being on the market for a year or two. Um, thankfully, the digital era has made it quite a bit easier to do brand collaborations and reach a whole new target demographic without investing a ton of money. Um, for us, we've been really successful and doing partnerships with small businesses and then micro influencers within our community. So we've had a lot of success specifically with Instagram um, okay. where we'll have people come and tour property and take photos of themselves in the space. Um, you know, we'll give them a property tour and then they're doing basically free promotion for us. And in turn, that's a way for us to have some free marketing collateral as well because we can yeah. repost it on our social media. 
Um, and then also, you know, events like this podcast, um, anything where you're doing live broadcasts where people can engage in the space has been tremendous for us for marketing. Yeah, I can imagine. And and so that keeps the budget on the on the low end, let's say, right? Yeah. And even like a few dollar investments to promote a post, um, whether that be on Facebook, depending on your demographic, Instagram, um, that can really go a long way. Yeah, the, the reason why I'm happy to have you here is also to inspire uh, also the architecture field to also step up and participate to these uh, new types of uh, marketing. Because uh, I don't know if you know our field a little bit, but we're kind of old fashioned and we let you guys take over for the marketing of the buildings in order to sell it. When actually, you know, um, I would love to have more architects and engineers involved in this um challenge as well um yeah uh, so yeah it, for us this is also an opportunity to to discuss that um so i think there's what would yeah. yeah sorry go on no i i think there's a tremendous opportunity there and that's something that i've found really challenging being on the sales side yeah. is that the architects and design teams um design everything without bringing in the real estate people that are on the ground so You can yeah. be a lot more efficient if you're starting those conversations prior, um, you know, before anything's actually built. Um, I think it benefits yeah. both parties. So I'd love to see more of that happening in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that architects should have more of a business sense while they're designing as well. So that for you guys, it's less work afterwards to put together a story. Um, if the story was put together beforehand, it would be easier in a way to, you know, to market it and to, to sell it faster as well. Um, but uh, what are the new challenges uh, for you for, uh, you know, for this moment of COVID era? Uh, I guess it's not that easy to um, convince people to invest in this time. Um, but I would really like to have your point of view on that. Sure. I think the biggest thing that we've experienced was actually, you know, really just the amount of interaction face uh, that we could have. Um, you know, we found that we've had to shift very quickly with, you know, moving away from traditional marketing where, you know, someone wants to say, hey, you know, with this billboard, you'll come across a hundred, you know, sort of unique visitors or unique people seeing it. Um, or, you know, with this certain traditional media, um, even if it's say a mailer, we have people who aren't even in their house in New York, right? So yeah. we're finding that um, there, it, there's been a big shift from traditional where I think the expenditures are typically really high. Um, yeah because of the engagement has now been changed where no one's outside. And we've had people say, you know, they've forego, they, they, they've foregone or, or delayed a lot of their digital initiatives and have been met, you know, sort of abruptly with having to change and pivot to make sure that they're still attracting the same audience. Um, so I think just that medium as a whole has shifted a lot from traditional to more of a digital landscape. And the big challenge has been Um, you know, many have not been adept at what tools they're at and resources they can use to make sure that they're still engaging and increasing that audience that they would want to target. Yeah. And has, has the type of clients changed? Do you get more international clients now that, um, you know, uh, yeah, the situation makes it more accessible for everyone to go on social media and have a conversation with you? Absolutely. 
Um, I found that, you know, a big, a big part of just New York was global markets connecting, you know, with brands and, and websites out here, you know, already. But then yeah. in see-through, um, looking at different analytics to be able to see where are people actually engaging with certain products. So, yeah. for instance, you know, we had um, with, with one of our last projects, um, a lot from Asian markets come in and really the project resonated with them through the design to the architecture and, and, and really where that was positioned in the market and, and even with location and how that helped us, um, you know, get in front of an audience that was really sort of unexpected um, as far as, um, you know, our, our initial tar target client. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Has that like changed a little bit, like the way that you sell as well to have more international um, audience? Is, like, sorry, I'm asking because I'm curious to know yeah, if there sure. is, you know, I'm interested in cultures and different backgrounds. Like, is there a different way to sell for you um, if it's a different nationality? Um, yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. I mean, you have to know your demographic and who you're selling to. I, my narrative yeah. would be completely different if I'm, even if I'm speaking to a parent as opposed to, let's say, a college student that's looking at a yeah. property. Um, they're going to have totally different concerns um, and needs and requirements. I would say specifically mm -hmm. with this last project that Jordan's referencing, where we did have a, a really large Asian demographic coming, mm -hmm. and numbers oh. were particularly important. Um, yeah. So that is interesting because like having beamed ceilings isn't necessarily feng shui and they, the number six is huge. Like in purchase prices also, like with offers and just really interesting how we marketed specifically to that demographic. Yeah, perfect. It's interesting to me, you know, to, to know this. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I wanted to ask you, um, how has the use of social media and digital marketing changed in the past year and what the new trends um, that we can expect? Because that's, yeah, also a very big topic right now. Um, we've seen, I think the emergence of like some apps really take over. I think TikTok, obviously, we're seeing being an integral part of marketing mixes now for different corporations, um, Clubhouse in the last couple of months. So we're seeing, I think, a lot of newer um, forms of, of, of and platforms for us to really sort of like now create new compelling viral content for. Um, additionally, just getting more... Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more video and a lot more, you know, Zooms, of course, being exposed as, as far as a way to now um, still have reach and, 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 and touch points with our, our, our target markets. Um, you know, we're finding that people are really seeing it not just a novelty, but more of a necessity in their marketing mix. And how do we now really leverage these tools in a very consistent basis? And I think that's the biggest key is that um, from before it was, hey, let me just do a post and I'll probably see you on Wednesday or Thursday in person where it's, you know, now I actually have to create content that is essentially going to be our new communication channel, right? And our, our voice with our brand on, on how we connect with a certain audience and, and how consistent we do that. Um, yeah, I was wondering if you, because people cannot like move around or like maybe you guys used to do like events where people came to see the the the... Uh, the the goods and now it's not possible anymore to do that. So have you ever like sold um, 
a development through Zoom call or like through, you know, uh, just showing it around with, with a video. I got a lead yesterday on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you know, someone said, that's a hot listing, send it to me right now. You know, and it's somebody I haven't heard from in, in like over a year. So I think it's always our, our jobs to make sure that like, how do we, you know, create shareable content? I think that's the other thing as well. Um, and, and, and content that people also want to spread the word with because product that's, you know, that, that I feel will really compete well in the market is stuff that you automatically tell your friends about and I don't have to compel you to do so. But I think developments now through these uh, partnerships, through creating content with really helping our neighborhood survive, right? Are there restaurants, are there fitness centers, are there schools, are there you know even restaurants that are holding on that could use an additional voice through the development, through the property to create a voice to now reach out to the community. You know, yeah. um, maybe we're not hosting a big dinner, but we may, you know, do takeout for, you know, 20 or 30 people on a given night, right, in the community. Yeah. I think there are still very creative ways to make sure that we're um, using partnerships like Katie was saying and in and, and order to build more of a grassroots voice that actually you really own that, you know, yeah. um, in the long run. I, I I heard something that you said that you had that client for over a year and, you know, he kind of appeared out of nowhere. Um how important is it for you guys to do follow-ups? Because I'm guessing like, you know, it takes some time for a lead to actually buy, right? It's not like a small investment. So um, could you explain to, to, especially to the architects who struggle sometimes to convince clients to, you know, invest in a project, how important the follow-up part is? Follow-up is, I think, the first and foremost important part of business, um, especially yeah. when you're in the business of building relationships, which mm -hmm. is what we do um, as architects, as designers. We live off of referrals and continuing business once we start engaging with someone. So, yeah. you know, our entire team have clients that we've been working with for years and years, some even a decade, um, and they continue to refer them to friends. But you need to be touching on several points, like being consistent with your social media, I think is very important. You always want to be having something in your stories, providing some kind of um, insight into what your day looks like and what you're working on to keep people excited. And then also just shooting people messages, like a quick note. I think now more so than ever, because we are very isolated, um, you know, in and out of lockdowns and our dynamic has shifted. We're as humans, we're very communal people. And now we're kind of in this isolation stage. So someone's going to be really excited to hear from you, um, whether it's a phone call or just like a quick note. And it doesn't have to be about business. I think um, just checking in goes a long way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really a two. I think it's a twofold process. Right. So like, you know, Katie's saying like, you know, we definitely have to be DMing and, and doing direct messages. Um, that for me is like on top of texting. You know, I, I have like people who I text and with my phone number and then there's people who I may DM and send a story to. Um, and then I think with the follow up, it's also we're, we're, we're always seeing follow ups as being very tedious and not a, a path of building relationships. Mm -hmm. So I'm not always saying I have to close the deal after this next call. I got to do follow ups. I got to do follow ups. I hate doing them. It's I've connected with someone. There's a point of discovery. And then there's an actual point of where, you know, where they there's acquisition. Right. Uh, when they actually close the sale and and looking at those amount of touch points is a process as well that you're all building the relationship with the prospect or the person 
right? Yeah. Um, I think with developments, um, robust emailing lists so that when they're doing some of these events, they can announce them, they can also archive them and, 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 and uh, you know, re-preview re, re them to everyone else while they start to build um, any anticipation for other events. Um, so it's, it's, it's doing the one-offs and, and the targeted and really building the connection and then still having like a mailing list or a newsletter that, that someone can really expect to hear because with this development, you're essentially building a small community within your community, right? Your building may have 300 or, you know, 500 units or, you know, however it is, or even if it's very boutique, is there a culture or someone that you want to convey to the prospect as well? Yeah. I love that because a lot of, you know, clients that I have, they, they give up or they feel the frustration of being kind of dismissed by a potential client and so on. But, but you know, the important thing is to persist no matter what. So if they don't answer an email, then, you know, maybe make a newsletter, like you said, or at least convey the values of your company as much as possible and keep them updated. Um, so I love that. Um, Guys, I'm going to go to the next question. But before that, I would love to have some questions from you. So um, if you would like to comment, uh, we'll pick some questions at the end. Um, so yeah, my next question is, how do you think developers could improve their client outreach in the digital landscape? Because in Europe, unfortunately, we're quite behind with this digital marketing hype um and we focus a lot on you know uh, events the mipim i don't know if you guys know it, it's a real estate event where most of the deals are made but now with corona of course we can't you know meet new people or access uh these networking events so i'm really curious to know how what what would be the advice so there's a lot of ways that you can continue to improve your client outreach, right? And staying engaged within your community. I think being consistent, like we just touched on with emailing, um, social media efforts, and just staying top of mind, but also offering value. Um, if there's something happening in the community or providing, let's say we partnered with a company here called Mindful Meditation. Um, and we were hosting meditations, um, which was very impactful and appreciated and not only supported a local business, but you're providing peace of mind to your community and client base. Um, and that can go in a lot of different avenues, right? Like getting tips on how to have a greener home or what kind of plants you can put around in your space to have uh, cleaner oxygen. You know, that goes in a, in a lot of different ways. I think providing value to your clients um, is first and foremost, and they're going to be continuing to read your emails and stay engaged with you. Yeah, because many, many uh, people would say like, oh, is the investment worth it? You know, like, yeah. um, from a, a close minded perspective, that would be the answer that you would get. Um, but how? Uh, yeah, do you? Th so you think it's a good investment to give some value to the client so they have an experience rather than just buy an apartment? Um, Absolutely. Experiences over things. I think most people have that mentality. Um, obviously, you're selling a lifestyle too. You're not just yeah. selling a slice of real estate. You're selling the community. You're selling, you know, the finishes, and you're selling the experience. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. And that is worth for any uh, field. Unfortunately, we we do well. So certain fields don't know. Uh, 
that invest investing in value actually brings back a lot of clients and a lot of you know uh, reach as well. So I think uh, an unheard narrative, right? Where there's like a deeper look when we're dealing with any say architecture developers where they may be able to convey that story to me, you know, over an hour, two hours, three hours when I'm touring a property, when I have a deeper look and where I'm speaking with the, the sponsor developer architect themselves. Whereas a lot of times when you're relying on a broker or, you know, a, a small five to 10 minute showing, you know, they haven't really built that rapport with your certain product. So I think that um, it's important to now, how do I explain the narrative if there's a, there's a certain you know sort of thing that I want you to feel, or there's certain materials that I'm using that are tastefully done, or there's certain craftsmanship that I really want to accentuate, right? Um, how do we make sure that we're we're building that story and so on before someone may visit a property? Um, yeah. So they're aware they're even asking for things. Show me the playroom or show me that amenity um, because that's what really got me excited and compelled to come. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a, a, a question off script <laughs> for you. Um, do you do you think that integrating you guys um, from I want I don't want to say the design uh, phase straight away, but like throughout the process of building the the developments could be benef beneficial for for the whole team in order to you know take advantage of what is required from the market put it in place to design it and then sell it in the correct way. Yes, I think that that is the future. I think um, I think teamwork, especially because right now it's so separated. Everyone's yeah. kind of in these different buckets and no one's communicating. So for us as a sales and marketing team coming in at the very end of the project without being part of that narrative, getting excited, understanding why the architects and the designers are choosing to do these specific finishes that might be paying homage to the history and um, being able to hear it from them. And then also we're the ones on the ground and seeing all of the different product that's out there, seeing what home buyers and renters want to have in their next properties or, or commercial spaces. So I think it's yeah. integral to be uh, integrating, you know, us on the sales side because we're client facing and dealing with so many more okay. people and seeing what's selling. Also, yeah. a lot of these projects, especially New York City, we're seeing a huge amount of condo inventory that's stagnating on the market, yeah. um, where I think some of that could have been avoided if, if yeah, we I mean, were dealing directly with, you know, that have that experience. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's really amazing to me that, well, the architects, they usually design um, based on um assumptions that they make but it's not necessarily what the user or the client wants right so for me it would be interesting to see how things will change in the future if we get you into integrated sooner probably things will sell easily easily and without having to patch things up uh, right. when we come to the sale so well, design and functionality I find okay. that's something that doesn't always correlate in our world. And it's like, oh, this is really pretty, but this makes no sense. I have to get soaking wet to turn on my shower. Or like, why did, why did they design the kitchen this way? It's pretty to look at, but is it going to work yeah. for me day to day? No. Yeah. yeah. 
And I have another question. So travel and business have already been altered dramatically. How, how do you see the global real estate market shifting and what can we expect from international collaboration? Is it Jordan? Look, there's, I think the longer the wait is there's always going to be a demand for, you know, New York. Um, with global market shifting, we've seen areas that um, have been warm all year round. We're seeing areas that have had like a lot less, you know, sort of guidelines and, and sort of stringent restrictions on, on travel be an area where people um, will go. New York um, has been very much where people have migrated either right outside of it to the Hamptons, to Florida, for example, but not limited to that. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're seeing um, a shift in some of those things. Um, I think we're also seeing shifts. We're just having a vacation home. We're having second home in a, in a, in a more warmer client or, or beach climate. Um, so that's where I've seen some of the market shift where it would just be um, directly metropolitan um, for, for, you know, for the foreign dollar. People are really looking at other states and other markets in the U.S. at least and seeing where they can find sound investments. Um, and, you know, with with the intellectual collaborations, I, you know, expect after, you know, hopeful with the vaccine coming and so on, that a lot of these restrictions will be lifted and we'll go into, you know, really the second, the third and fourth quarter of, of, of 2021 will be very, um, I think, telling into 2022. I think for the moment, there, it may continue to be a bit quiet for the foreign investor unless they're obviously here. Um, but then that's very um, that, that's a great opportunity, I think, for developers to get really innovative in how they reach the the foreign buyer. Because a lot of times, when you're buying into new dev, you may not be able to close for another year to two years, even at time, right? In worst case scenarios, um, but still is a very common scenario, right? So I think they can get creative with concessions and close dates that would actually, um, you know, be in line with when people can really get active and back in the city. Yeah, and um, yeah. It because of Corona, did you see a change in the requirements of the clients? Do they require more outdoor spaces or more sustainable buildings um, and so on? I'm, I'm curious about that. <laughs> All the above. I think we're seeing just now luxuries taking a different form of just even air quality, right? Like we've never, it's something that I've thought about for years, but we've never as a, I think as a community um, thought about it as being a very sort of necessary um, requirement when we're looking at our our you know our priorities when we're finding a home. Um, so I think more than ever you're seeing added amenities. We're seeing that we need home offices more than ever. Um, of course, outdoor spaces in New York, the townhouses like like we're in one has been now something that is very self-contained and something that. Um, People have a lot of different places in house they can go where if they're home, you know, for more than 10 hours a day that they don't feel like they're stuck to, you know, one room or two rooms in a, in a, in a one bedroom or studio. Um, even in a lot of times when we're looking at bigger shares, something that may be under 1200 square feet or so, which is a very common and, and generous space in New York at times, um, may be a lot more limited if you're, you know, really having your kids and the entire day in the house. So I think we've seen this product type really um, resurge in a, in, a, in a way that we haven't seen. Um, and in certain markets, it's even tripled during the quarantine. Um, we're at Brooklyn, we're having, you know, literally almost two, 
almost three times the amount of um, townhouses that have been sold um, most of the year prior, pre-COVID. So yeah. there's just so many things where the product and, and, and demands change. And one is having something that may be very self-contained, having an outdoor space, having a private office, having, you know, uh, even a separate quarters where you can work um, on a separate house, uh, separate part of the house versus your spouse. So we're seeing a lot of these. Um, yeah, changes, especially in the way that we're looking at layouts more than ever. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I had uh, Aaron Chen from ODA New York uh, in September uh, on the podcast. And uh, we talked about uh, New York in general. And we argued about an article that came up um, that was uh, titled New York is dead because people thought like that with COVID people would not live in New York anymore and they would just go in, on the countryside um, instead of staying in the city now that everybody can work from you know, their computer. Um, what do you think about this statement of New York is dead? Do you, do you believe in it? Or do you think that people no. will come back? <laughs> New York is alive and kicking. Um, it's, it's definitely a little bit different right now. It's a lot quieter in the streets. Um, but the beautiful thing about New York City is that it will always be rebirthing itself. This is Mecca um, for arts and culture and pretty much every type of community. So right. I'm excited to see what it comes back as in the next iteration. Um, and specifically in the last, I would say, month, I'm even personally seeing clients that I helped move to the Hamptons or out yeah. of state and they miss New York City. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're not. It's New York, but they're coming back. Yeah. So it's nice to see that. I'm, it hasn't even been a year. And you know, people that really love living in New York and having those services are going to want to stay here. Yeah, for sure. Well, I believe that too. But it was, you know, such a huge uh, article that I was wondering your opinion about it. Um, we have one question. Um, and then I don't know if after this question, you would like to show us a little bit the venue uh, that you have uh, in store for us today. Um, so yeah, we'd the love question to the question is from Antonio. He says, hi, Julia, I have a question. As far as the designing process is concerned, how relevant is it for you guys to collaborate with experts in the in the BIM and computational design field? Um, so architects and engineers, they use now a software um, where they can all together work and see the 3D of the development in the same time. Um, and I think that what Antonio means is, is this um, uh, something, because it reduces the risks when you build the building. Sure. Um, so uh, is it, I, I don't know if you know, but but is it some a requirement that um, is needed for the architects that you are collaborating with? Um, of course, if you don't know, it's, it's okay. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would definitely recommend I would just say as a whole, even if we're not, say, familiar with all of the, um, you know, up-to-date standards in, like, again, computational design, you know, I think it's very important to work with um, a broker when actually going through someone that's trusted and that has a reputation of selling a certain product that you want to get into the market for. I've noticed that a lot of um, new developments that have been struggling may, may, may really lack, I think, a deeper insight of having that client feedback that a lot of times just comes with the broker showing hundreds and hundreds of apartments. Whereas, 
Um, so we may have a, an added perspective on how to really make sure that your layouts and your amenities and just pretty much your entire product is very compelling all around. Um, yeah. So there may be a lot of different scenarios, but there are times where I see you know layouts made and, and, and if we're, we're able to get insights into pre-planning, um, we can jump in and say, hey, you know what, I think this may be some solid feedback based on you know what what clients are expecting at any given time. Yeah, and to add up to it, uh, Antonio, because uh, I, I know Antonio very well, he's one of my coaches. Um, for sure, if uh, you collaborate with uh, brokers who know what the client wants, you can add these parameters to your computational design and create much better designs that are required for the market. So, of course, I think um, the collaboration is definitely a plus uh, from the design uh, uh, words. Um, so I'm so excited to see this um, place. Do you want to tell us, do you want to make a, a little bit of an introduction for us? Sure. So we actually, we're streaming right now from our brand new townhouse listing that we are getting ready to photograph today. We were in okay. here staging last night until the wee hours. <laughs> so we're excited to, to get the market. Free, uh, townhouse that's 15 feet wide and 5,100 square feet. So we've got five bedrooms, six baths, um, and five outdoor spaces on the Upper East Side. So I'm going to see if I can, oops, I'm sorry. Let me see if I can flip my camera. You know, I don't know if I can, but I'm just gonna walk you guys through some of these spaces here. Um, so this is the master suite. I was lucky enough to be up here for the broadcast, excuse some of my things. This is our dressing room. So what's nice about this house is that the master suite actually occupies the entire third floor. Wow. That's really beautiful. <laughs> I know. And it's zoned throughout the entire space um, with their own heating and lighting systems. So if you're not utilizing the entire house, you can have the heat off, let's say in the second, uh, the bottom two floors. There's an additional bedroom. This is a blue room. We've got a mid-century modern vibe going in here. That's really Another beautiful. Bathroom. It's very well done. Um, it developed I think um, we've even got some stairs up to the roof. Yeah, Katie, we, we the internet connection is is getting better. Yeah. Is it bad? No, it's it, I can hear you now, but yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think I might be too far from the router. Yeah, it can be. And in the, in, in the, in the meantime, I have a uh, Sean MacPick that is giving me some, um, numbers for this apartment. I think uh, he's, he's from your team, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so asking price 9 million guys, if anyone is interested, you know how to, uh, contact. Jordan Marsh and Katie Thurber. 
We'll be live with the house next week so everybody can see the full marketing. Perfect. But it looks really, uh, really nice. I'm gonna put, I see that Jordan has also a view on, on the living room, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that looks great. Okay, Julia, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, it was a pleasure having you guys on. Um, I uh, will make just a short conclusion after, after this, but thank you so much for coming and also answering so many questions about digital marketing for uh, new developments. Um, I think that your team is super inspiring because uh, really you do a great job uh, having you know so much visibility online and even managing to sell uh, you know uh, penthouses online. So that, that's <laughs> not many people. Can do. Um, and I really hope that uh, many people uh, will contact you and ask you questions through LinkedIn uh, or Instagram. Uh, do you have some um, platforms or uh, um, contact details that you want to tell us where people can? Yeah, we'll put it right in the um, we'll put it right in the comment. But it is at McPeak Team on Instagram. If you want to contact us through Instagram. Okay. Otherwise, you can find us individually, Jordan March, Katie Thurber on LinkedIn. Um, otherwise, it's your first name at Sirhan. So Jordan at Sirhan or Katie at Sirhan. And you can find us there. Okay, great. Thank you so much. A beautiful apartment. I hope that, uh, that it sells very soon. I have no doubts about it. <laughs> so keep us posted on that as well. Absolutely. We will. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so you much. Bye. Bye. For now. Thank you, everyone. So that's it for today with Katie and Jordan. Um, and I have just one announcement to make uh, for the guys that have been with us in the past lives. Um, I have talked about making finally a digital business development course, especially for architects and engineers. Um, it is now live and it will start on the 1st of February. And with this course, you'll be able to uh, uh, learn how to be visible on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and trigger opportunities and find clients online. And I think it's very uh, useful now because of uh, COVID, uh, we cannot meet clients in an organic way. So if you are interested, you have 70, uh, 72 hours to DM me on LinkedIn and I will give you a discount of 10% uh, on it. Otherwise, you can check out directly the course on the ibdhub.com uh, and it will be on there under online courses. Um, so thank you guys so much for being here uh, weekly. This episode will be uh, uh, put on the IBD Hub podcast as well. Uh, next week uh, and you can listen to it through Apple Podcast, YouTube and Spotify. Um, so thank you so much again for being here and see you guys next week.